Thank you, Thrive Church. Thank you so much. Have a seat. Have a seat. <laughs> we are really excited to be here. I'm a little bummed not to be able to see the Miles because we are good friends with them. And so, um, but I'm excited for him and what he's been able to accomplish. Um, we are Mark and Heather McKinstry. And I always like, if I have a connection to a church, I always have to just put it out there. And so my connection to Thrive Church is Way back, my Aunt Sue grew up in this congregation, and her name was Sue Vensky. And so if you know Doris or Lauren or Sue Vensky, please come and find me afterwards. My aunt got married to my uncle, who's actually, he was my uncle. She married Scott McCumber, and so it's Scott and Sue McCumber. And if you know any of the McCumbers, please come and find me afterwards, because <laughs> um, I would love to talk to you. So um, we are actually from the Milwaukee area. I grew up in Milwaukee, and um, I married this guy, found him at North Central Bible College at the time. And um, we got married and did ministry in Michigan for a couple of years, and in Ohio for a couple of years, and then ended up in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, um, where we served on staff for about 20 years um, before we went to the mission field. And so while we were there, we had two kids, and um, we had Ashley and Allie. Do we have our slideshow? Yeah. Okay. If you want to go ahead. Yep, there they are. So when we left for the mission field, they were in college, and um, we left them here. I said to them, you're not going to leave us. We're going to leave you. And uh, <laughs> so we did. And um, they then graduated from college. And um, as you can see, that Allie got married while we were gone. We did come back for the wedding, however. And so um, we have now a son-in-law, and his name is Joey. Allie and Joey both live they live together. They both live in Milwaukee. <laughs> um, and they serve as lay leaders um, at Oak Creek um, on the worship team there, and they also serve with the kids. Um, and then our oldest daughter is actually Ashley, and she is um, in medical school. I can't believe, I have two scientists for daughters, and I'm not quite sure how that happened. I just made them do their homework, but they're super smart. They're way smarter than I am. <laughs> um, and so then, anyway, so we left for Spain um, in 2000 and. 17? Yes. And um, when we arrived, we worked with the International Church of Barcelona. And so during our time at the International Church of Barcelona, you can go to, the, yeah, there it is. We, um, I worked with the kids because that's my profession. I, I am a teacher. And so I worked with the kids and I helped to establish um, some curriculum for the whole kids program. I worked with the three and five-year-olds every week for the whole two and a half years that, I was, that we were there. And then Mark served on the preaching team. And um, we just really enjoyed being with the team that was there of missionaries. Much of them, many of them were, were much younger than us. Um, we were youth pastors for years in Oak Creek, and so it was kind of felt like we had just like, our youth group was there. <laughs> but, um, but they taught us so much because they had been on the field longer than us. And so um, they were able just to really teach us um, some really great things. And then one of the, the next slide, one of the favorite things that we did is that we had a home fellowship group in our, in our home. And so we ministered with, um, to these young married couples, and we just really had a great time having them in our home and just explaining to them what, what a Christ, um, Christ-centered marriage looked like. Um, and then from there, we also had um, a team come from uh, Oak Creek, and that's the next slide, that um, helped us do, actually the next one, um, I just, yep, um, had an English camp. And um, that was a really powerful time where they came in and we helped to teach them English. Some Spanish uh, students helped to teach them English through the Bible. So we used the story of Joseph. Um, I was able to preach that night 
And so that was just a really great time um, of just God moving in their lives and just really being real to who they are. And then also, um, the next slide after that is our Speed the Light vehicle. And I'm not sure if you know, but um, the, the Assemblies of God kids, the youth groups in Wisconsin give to Speed the Light, and their funds go to buy cars for missionaries and whatever else we would need to help speed the light of the gospel. And so in our case, it was a car. And so we used that car to... Um, to move supplies from place to place. Barcelona is really a um, walking city, and so we walk a lot of places, but when we, need to, when we need to have things like books and supplies and stuff to um, a location, we drive our cars there and drop the things off and then go put it back in its parking spot. Um, it just really saves a lot of time and a lot of energy um, to be doing the actual ministry rather than hauling everything over there. We are also able to um, help plant a church um, on the outskirts of Barcelona because of our vehicles. And so we just are really thankful for the kids of Wisconsin to, that helped raise money so that we could have a vehicle. And then finally, one of my um, favorite projects that I got to do while I was in Barcelona is um, I, when we were at one of these outreaches, it's the busiest time, busiest um, holiday in Barcelona, and it is called San Jordi. And they celebrate this, um, this legend of St. George. We would call him St. George, but his name is San Jordi there. And what happened was a dragon came to this town, and it infiltrated, and it was eating and threatening all the people. And so they decided, they realized that if they fed the livestock that they had, to the dragon that he would leave them alone. Well, the livestock ran out, and so they had to start feeding people. So they started drawing lots, and then one day each person would go and be eaten by the dragon. And so they pull the lot one day to the princess, and so the king was fair and just, and he sent his daughter to go be eaten by the dragon. And lo and behold, San Jordi came in and saved the day. He slew the dragon, and the blood seeped into the ground, and a rosebush grew up in its place. And so he picked the rose, and he declared his love for the princess. And um, they celebrate this legend. And on the busiest street in Barcelona, it's about two miles long, it's like state fair, man. I mean, it is like jam-packed. They sell books because the men get books on that day and the women get roses. And it's a, it's a celebration of love. And so it is packed, and we were out there, and we were handing out bookmarks. And the bookmarks were beautifully done, and they had maybe a verse on there and just a little tiny, like a, you know, like this is where you can come to church type of a thing. And I said, man, wouldn't it be great if someone would write a book about this legend and connect it to the gospel? And our pastor said, that would be a really great idea. You should do that. And I was like, yeah, well, I don't write books, so there's the problem there. Well, I had kind of been writing, and I had kind of been blog writing, and so God just kind of put it on my heart. And so I um, did, with the help of some team members there, put together a book um, that does connect the gospel to their, to their story. And then my daughter helped illustrate, and then a girl that was there um, doing an internship also helped illustrate. And we put this book together. And um, I was really excited because actually just last week, um, we should put, add that picture to our things. I had one of our missionary daughters, um, she took it to school and she shared it with her, with her friends. And so it didn't go out last year like planned because of COVID, but um, it's still going forth. There are 2,500 books 
that were printed, and so some were still handed out. Some were handed out last year. I made sure of it um, while we were still there, and then um, some were handed out this year, but I just have the cutest pictures of Anna handing some to her classmates and just, like, sharing the gospel with them, and so it just is really um, a cool tool, and even the teacher read the book, and she said to, um, to my friend Ruthie, she said, I've never seen anyone make this connection. She's like, this is amazing, and so it just, what we had seen, too, is just that people... Um, from Spain were just really touched that's, that an American would take their story and think it was important enough to connect it to the gospel. And so um, what I just think is so cool about this is, like, I had no intention of writing a book. It wasn't like, I'm going to go to Spain and write a book. Like I, I, like I said, I'm not an author. But God put it in my heart, and I like to draw, and I like to be creative. And so God took what I can do, and he made something pretty cool out of it. And so um, he can do that in your life, too. So just submit his talents to your talents to the Lord. Wow. Hey, thank you for the warm welcome uh, here today and um, just for your encouragement. Uh, we, um, we love central Wisconsin. We are maybe, I don't know if they call them downstaters up here, but there's a reason why people from our area of Wisconsin like to come this way. Uh, this is one of the most beautiful spots uh, in all of Wisconsin. My wife and I got to go up to Rib Mountain last night uh, before the sun went down. We got here and saw the sights up there. It was a great day. Whoever thought that this weekend would be a great weekend for the McKinstries to come? Thank you, Pastor Sheldon. Uh, you picked the right one. We didn't know if we were going to get snow or what, but uh, not only did we get great weather, but we've had a wonderfully warm welcome from each one of you, and we just thank you for that. Um, I, I love what God is doing, and we, of course, we're, we're missionaries, and uh, we have a heart for, uh, for Spain, for the world, for, for this community. Um, we just have a heart for Jesus, and, and that's where mission heart comes from. And uh, we'd love to connect with you. We have, we have prayer cards. If you'd love to pick up one of our prayer cards and pray for us, uh, we need prayers. Uh, Spain needs your prayers. Uh, my wife and I, when we head back, we're not heading back to Barcelona, which is an incredible city. We're actually going to be going back to the south of Spain uh, to a city called Malaga, which is down by Gibraltar. Maybe you've heard of Malaga before. Has anybody heard of Malaga before? Maybe even been there. Have you been there? I know we run into people who go there from time to time, but it's a city of about 600,000 people, another million on the outside, and uh, we just have one Assembly of God Church, National Church there in that city serving 600,000 people and only a handful of other Christian churches, all, all churches that would proclaim Christ, just a handful. And we believe this is an injustice. We believe this is something that God wants to change. We believe he loves the people of Malaga. And uh, for some reason, he's asked us to be a part of what he's doing there and we're just simply saying yes. And that's really what missions is about, right? It's responding to the invitation uh, of Jesus. If you're a follower of Christ here today, I want to share a message with you uh, for all of us, followers or not. Uh, but if you're a follower of Christ and you're here today, you'll say, this, this is why, this, this is our purpose, this is our meaning, it's all a part of it, this missional effort in sharing Jesus with the world all around us, whether it's right here in Wausau or in Malaga or in Milwaukee or wherever we find ourselves um, this is our purpose as followers of Jesus. This is the reason we haven't gone to heaven yet. 
That's why we're still here on this planet, that we would reflect his love. And so here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, You may have heard this verse before, but he simply says it this way. Go and make disciples of all nations. That he's called us, followers of Jesus, followers of him, to be a part of what he is doing all over the world, both near and far. And though we can't be everywhere at once and do everything, Christ brings opportunities our way in order to connect us with what he's doing in the lives of people that he loves. And so he said to his disciples, and those words echo to us today, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And today I want to share a message with you from Mark chapter 4, from the book of Mark, where Christ is going to draw the attention of his followers, his disciples, to a people that were neglected. They were people that lived on the other side of the lake. These were a people that were far from the presence of Christ geographically, yet they were close to his heart. They were people that, uh, that were in a place that would be the d- difficult. It was a difficult journey for the disciples to get there. We have difficult journeys. Sometimes it's difficult just to go to our neighbors. That's not always easy. Or to go to the people in our lunchroom and to sit with fellow students and, and to connect with people on the other side of the office. Sometimes those journeys are difficult to make. Sometimes a difficult journey means going to Spain. And being a part of what God's doing there. But he, he draws the attention of the disciples to people that he longed to connect with. It'd be difficult for them to get there. It'd be difficult for his followers to connect with them, to speak with them. It'd even be difficult for his disciples to be around them because they were so different from them. Jesus was calling them to distant shores. Today, the title of my message is Reaching Distant Shores. And what I want to focus in on, and this idea of these long journeys, difficult places, connecting with people who are hard to connect with because we all have them in our lives. They're all around us. I believe that the story begins with with us, being missional, right? A heart for people. It, It actually starts with our response to Christ's command to go and make. These action words, right? Go and make. It's not to be passive, it's to be active. To go and make. To be a friend. That takes hard work, that takes time, that takes energy. To love unconditionally. I don't know about you, but that's difficult. To go and, and, and to respond to the Spirit. It's He says, go and do this and, and be generous and be kind and show love and reflect me and, and don't look for the outcomes, but just, just give of yourself. That's not easy. Yet he he asks us to go and make. And here's where mission begins. Mission begins with me. So this is a very personal message for all of us today. I believe that God has something he wants to say to us. And so I just simply want to pray here for a second, and then we'll dive into our, our message. Father, we thank you for your presence here today. Great worship. Great time of communion, incredible time of just connecting with each other already in this place. Lord, we sense your presence here, and we realize that as, as, as we enter into this moment, that all that we are and all we have and all we ever will be is because of you, because of you. And Lord, it's our heart's intent to, to not consume all of that and, and just 
and just enjoy it. But Lord, it's our heart's desire as followers of Jesus to, 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 to reflect, to give, to, to share those things with the world around us. And so Lord, I pray, God, as we consider what you're wanting to do in us today, Lord, I pray that, that, that you would give us open hearts, open ears to hear your spirit, and the courage to respond to you as you call us out. Lord, would you do something powerful in us? Would you bring transformation into our lives? I pray that somehow you do that in these next 20 minutes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. So have you ever tried to take a, a long journey in an unreliable car? Have you ever tried to do something like this before? I was in my young 20s and just newly married and I was in the kitchen of my parents' home and uh, sitting with my mom and dad and my dad looks at me and he says, hey Mark, let's, let's go up north, let's, I, I need to get up there, we got to get the hunting camp ready for the fall hunt and I'm a hunter and I'm like, man, I'm all in, I love this, let's go, let's do it, you tell me when, I'm with you. And uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm all there. And my mom heard, of course, this, this question that he asked me. And she asked him a question. She already knew the answer, but she was being a, a wise wife and trying to help her husband understand a few things and, and make a, a good decision. And she asked him, well, Carl, what, what car are you going to take? <laughs> and my dad said, which she knew the answer already, but my dad said, we're going to take the old station wagon. <laughs> now, when my dad says old station wagon, I mean, this, this, this thing was like 20 years old at the time. It looked like it had been through the war because it looked like it had bullet holes from all the rust in it. L literally, no, no stretch here. There, there, was, there was more tape on the hoses in the engine than there was rubber, you know, kind of keeping things together. Bailing wire kept parts on that cart. Wherever this thing would park, you knew it had been there because it left a puddle of some color of whatever liquid fluid and, I mean, this was the old station wagon. And my mom said to him, Carl, if that car breaks down, I'm not going to pick you up. <laughs> my dad's like, no problem. And so we head north and we take our trip. And it was a wonderful time. It's just a couple of days, me and my dad up north and getting things ready for the hunt. And it, it was fantastic. And we're on our way back around the area of, of Michigan called Houghton Lake. And um, it's at night, I'm in the, the, the passenger seat, it's dark, we're driving down the interstate, lights on, and I'm looking out the front windshield, and, and, and I realize that all of a sudden, the light begins to fade because there's this, this black-brown liquid that's shooting up on the, the windshield. And I look at my dad and I said, Dad, I don't know a lot about cars, but I know this isn't good. And all the lights come on on the dashboard, right? They just they, they're on and the car starts to shudder a little bit and my dad hits the gas as hard as he could and the car shudders a little bit more and, and as we're going down the interstate it, it runs for maybe another, I don't know, less than a quarter mile and it shuts off but there's an exit ramp and we go right off the exit ramp right into a gas station and the car dies right in front of a public payphone back in the early 90s. Yeah, they, they had those everywhere back then. But, but, but my dad, he just basically rolls down the window, reaches out and calls my mom and says, hey, Jill, come and pick us up. And of course, they came. My wife, my mom came and rescued us, and we're thankful for them. But, but here's my point in sharing this story. Here's kind of what happens in mission, is, is in life, we get old and rusty and 
we start to fall apart pretty quick unless we allow the Spirit of God, unless we allow His Word, unless we allow the person of Jesus Christ to renew us and transform us continually. And, and here today, as we consider reaching distant shores, hard-to-reach people in hard-to-reach places, difficult journeys to get to, this is really about transformation and parts of our lives that I believe that the Lord wants to get his hands on this morning maybe. And maybe he's not had his hands on those parts of your life for a while or maybe never. But I invite you to trust him as we journey together through this scripture and through this message. My prayer is this, God do something new in us so that you can do something new through us. So let's go to Mark chapter 4 to our text here this morning. And let's read about a journey that the disciples took. It says this in Mark 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now this is packed with tension. You don't read it in the scripture itself, but in the context of this conversation, in the context, the historical context of first century Palestine, there's just tons of tension in this request that Jesus makes. Let us go over to the other side. Jesus, we don't go there. Do you know who's over there? We don't care about those people. They don't care about us. Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. We'll talk about that in a second. That's going to be important. There were also other boats with him, and the Bible says this, that in that journey, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. This happens all the time in mission. That as we reach out, as we love, as we serve, as we give, as we we, we take steps of faith, we're challenged, and in some crazy world we think this shouldn't be so because Christ has called us to this, he's asking us to do this, there shouldn't be challenge, it should be smooth sailing, but it's the opposite. And there's a reason for it, it's the opposite. The Bible says this, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion and the disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? We'll talk about that in a second. And this is what the Bible says. It says the disciples were terrified at what they had just seen. And they asked each other, who is this, right? They, they, they've already seen Jesus as a great teacher. They've already seen him as a man of compassion who would touch people that nobody else would touch. They've already seen him as a, a healer, right? But now they see something they've never seen before in this man, in this person, Jesus. And they ask the question, who is this? Even the wind and the waves, nature itself obeys Christ. Wow. And in the next verse in chapter 5, it says that they arrived on the other side of the lake. They got there. So my question is this, 
What do we need to reach distant shores? Three things. Three things. The first, I believe, is we need this. We need new eyes. New eyes. In Mark 8, verse 18, a little later on, Jesus asks the disciples the question, do you have eyes but fail to see? You see, their sight, just like ours, was often fixed on the exterior, but Jesus was challenging them to see what he saw, to see with new eyes, to see people as the treasure. You see, they were seeing the way they were taught, that those on the other side of the lake, that, that they shouldn't mix with them, that, that God doesn't want to mix with them, that they would not respond to Yahweh, the God that they serve, but Jesus wanted to change their perception of people. I remember when God opened my eyes to Spain, it was uh, January of 1991 is where the story begins. My youth pastor calls me. I'm a student in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's like negative 30-some-odd degrees up there. It's just one of those crazy winter days in Minneapolis. And he says, hey, Mark, we're going to go to the south of Spain in the summer with a bunch of other college students, your friends that you know. It's going to be like 100 degrees. Do you want to? And I'm, yes, yes. Jesus just answered my prayer. He's delivering me from this cold. But yes, I, and, and I said yes. And I remember thinking to myself after I hung up that, you know what? I knew it was going to be a lot of fun. And I knew we were going to connect with great missionaries. But I began to think, what are we going to do in Spain? I mean, these are people who have more money than I have. They, they, they have they, they dress nicer than I dress. They have nicer hair. They drive nicer cars. I mean, they even have a historical Jesus. Why are we doing mission work in Spain? Why aren't we going to Africa or Latin America or some part of Asia, some place like, like, like this? And, and, and these were my thoughts. But when I hit the ground in Spain as a 20-year-old student, my eyes were opened. And Jesus wanted to change, and he changed and is still changing my perception to see people the way he sees them. Our ministry was amazing over those couple of weeks that they, we were there in Malaga, um, and God just made some great connections. We saw incredible things among internationals and people who have different beliefs like is, in, in Islam and, and other things and connecting with Europeans and Spaniards and so many questions and so much need and so much spiritual darkness. And I began to see that these people who... I thought they had everything. Why would they need the gospel? That, that money, that wealth, that comfort, they don't take the place of salvation. They don't take the place of freedom in Jesus. In fact, all those other things that I thought maybe life was about or maybe showed the favor of God, those things just accelerate the bad in your life already. You know, if you get more money, you just become more of what you already were. And God opened my eyes to the mission field that is Europe. People who maybe once had a historical Jesus, and many theologians say that in Spain they doubt that was ever the case, that they ever had a true gospel witness. I don't know about that. But today to see the darkness there, to see that, that, that people, unless something happens, unless for us, we go and be a part of what Jesus is doing there that they'll never meet a Christian, they'll never have. Somebody pray for them by name. They'll just never have that and it blows me away, but God opened my eyes. To reach distant shores, we need new eyes to see people the way God sees them. 
Lord, open our eyes. Number two, we need new hearts. New hearts. Proverbs 4.23, it tells us above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, right? Everything that our hearts are, the center of our lives. And if we're to be the people that God calls us to be, he wants to transform our hearts. And he does that as followers of Jesus, doesn't he? And it's amazing, but he wants to give us new hearts, not just to serve him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but to love people as we love ourselves. God, give us new hearts. I love what the disciples did. They had no heart for the other side. They had no heart for the Gentiles in the region of the Decapolis. But, but here's what they did. The Bible says they took Jesus with them in the boat just as he was. They didn't understand everything about him. They didn't know exactly who he was, but they took him and they trusted him. You see, they may not have had love for the other side, but they had the source of all love. And maybe you're here today and you say, Mark, I really struggle with loving these kinds of people or this neighbor in my life. Or Mark, if you knew this person who just kind of bullies me at school. Or Mark, if you knew this person at work or this person in my family or this person, you know, maybe you would change the way you preach this. Here's what I know. God wants to change our hearts, not only for him, but for the people that he's placed around us, the people he calls us to love. To reach distant shores, we need new hearts, and it starts with having Jesus in our boats. Here's why we need new hearts. It's because of this. Love moves us to action. Love moves us to action. We spent about, I don't know, Many days uh, in, in Malaga back in 2019, um, 30, 40 days, I can't, I, I don't know for sure, but many days, maybe more than that. And on one of our trips to Malaga, as we would walk the streets, my wife and I, and pray and meet people and, 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 and just get a sense of what God is wanting to do there. On one of these trips, our mission leaders came with us. And they asked us, Mark and Heather, what do you see? What do you feel when you walk these streets of this city among 600,000 people, many of which have never heard about Jesus and never had an adequate gospel witness? And I shared some vision, shared some things that I felt like the Lord was showing me. And my wife speaks up and she says this. She says, it's kind of like, uh, here's how I feel. It's, it's kind of like when, when we had our first child and the doctor handed us our baby girl and, and he said to us, it's time for you to go home. And we kind of thought to ourselves, what? You know, we're like, we're in our young 20s. You're giving us a life to take care of. We can barely take care of ourselves. Now we got this life. And here's what we, we felt in that moment that, you know, we didn't have a lot of wisdom. We didn't have a lot of knowledge. In fact, we had very little, but we had a lot of love. And that love would carry us through. It would lead us to do whatever it took in order to do our best to raise that child in the way that God wanted us to raise her. Having love, love moves us to action. It moves us to action. So to reach distant shores, not only do we need new eyes to see people the way God sees them, we need new hearts. A heart that beats for people the way Christ's heart beats for them. New eyes and new hearts. And third and finally, what we need to reach distant shores we need new faith. New faith. The kind of faith to believe that what seems impossible to us, it can't be done, it can't happen, 
that what seems impossible to us is absolutely possible with God. When my wife and I were preparing to go to the mission field back in 2016 and early 17, we did all the things that a missionary does, right? We did all the research and reading and talking with missionaries in Spain and everything we could and connection after connection, book after book, article after article, email after email, the message kind of came back to us as this, Spain is a hard field, just do your best. Be faithful, pray, do your best, don't expect much. We thought to ourselves, those are all important things. I don't know Spain, so maybe this is it. You know, there hasn't been much response to the gospel there with the work that's been done. Um, But God took us to a city called Barcelona and put us in a team at the International Church of Barcelona, an English-speaking church that also operates in Spanish and about 15 to 20 other languages. And he put us on that team and he said, this is your introduction to Spain. And here's what that team taught us. They taught us things that nobody else was saying. And nobody else was believing. They said this, we're going to believe for the impossible. We're going to believe that God can touch Spaniards. We're going to believe that God can touch Europeans, that Europeans and Spanish people will respond to the gospel. And can I tell you, here's what we saw. It was, it was unbelievable. Every single Sunday, we saw anywhere from 10 to 35 people. Every Sunday, four gatherings in our church four gatherings in a room about this size, over a thousand people, it's unbelievable what God's doing there, would say yes to Jesus for the first time or recommit himself to him. Even during a pandemic when everything is shut down and we have to go everything online, can I tell you, in the last year they've seen thousands of people respond to Christ and say, I want to be discipled. I need Christ to transform my life. Yes, I'm asking him to save me, but I want to grow in my faith. And so even in something like our Bible study groups, they've grown from like 30 to over, I think it's 54 groups right now, while they're locked down. Is that crazy? So they're meeting on computers and they're talking, they're growing, they're being discipled. It's amazing what God is doing there, the impossible. My wife and I, when we were preparing... um, for our next term, we, we, we weren't exactly sure what was going to happen um, as we were thinking about our future. We, we believed that God put a city on our hearts to go to, to a, a place where, where, where we believe he wanted to plant his church, another church in a new way. And uh, that city is Malaga. And we shared this with our leaders and they weren't sure about it. But one day, about six months after we were in Spain, in Barcelona, they kind of called us, so to speak. And they said to us, Mark and Heather, we feel like this is a God thing. Let's do this. Let's, let's make this happen. We're, we're all in. Let's go. And, and it's like we put down the phone and we said, yes, we're not nuts. We did hear from God. This is crazy. And that lasted, we were, we were like celebrating, right? And that lasted for about 10 seconds. And then we thought to ourselves, what did we get ourselves into? <laughs> you know, we're, 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 we're learning to speak Spanish. We barely know the culture. You know, we've got the list like Moses at the burning bush. Not that we're Moses or anything like that. But here's all the reasons why this can't work. Here's all the reasons why. Still struggle with that sometimes. 
God simply says, said to us and continues to say, Mark and Heather, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Faith. Faith in the storm. Faith in the uncertainty. Faith to believe that God can do what we call impossible. God, with God, it is absolutely possible. What do we need to reach distant shores? Maybe your distant shore you're thinking about this morning is just across the street to your neighbor. Maybe it's across the lunchroom in your school. Maybe it's across the hallway to the office next to yours. Maybe it's in your family, you know, just even across the hallway to the bedroom next door to yours. What does it take to reach distant shores? For us, Malaga, Spain, what does it take? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence here today. We thank you for, Lord, just the fact that, that many of us in this room, many of us who are watching online and listening, Lord, we've already said yes to you, Jesus. And we don't just say that once. We say it every single day. Yes, Jesus. Maybe there's some here today that, that would say, you know what, I've never said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're listening online and you've said, you say, I've, I've never said yes to Jesus. I've never surrendered my life to him, Mark. Today is your day. You can do that right here in this room. You can do that while you're listening, wherever you're at, in your home, wherever you are. All you simply have to do is reach out to him in faith and just say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me sin. Forgive me of the past. I believe you're the Son of God, and I place my faith in you. Fill me with your Spirit. Make me brand new. Jesus, I surrender all. And I choose to make you the center of my life. Pray that prayer right now. If you've prayed that, you can know that you are new in Jesus. Old things have passed away. The new is here. That's what the Bible says. And if that's you, you need to tell somebody. Tell somebody before this day is done. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, you would say this, Mark, I just believe that God, he's been speaking to my heart and he wants to change some things in me. There's, there's some leaky parts of my life. There's some dented, rusty hearts. Maybe it's your heart. Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's your faith. There's just some faulty parts. And, and Christ is meeting you where you're at. And he, you would say, Jesus, I, I just, I surrender to you. Just tell him that now. Lord, I surrender to you. Would you give me your eyes? Would you give me your eyes? If that's you, your eyes. Man, Jesus spoke to the blind man. He said, eyes be open, and they were open. He can give you his eyes. That is a wonderful prayer. Lord, give me your eyes. Maybe it's your heart today that, that, that maybe you're wounded, maybe you're hurting, maybe you're broken, and you just say, Jesus, give me more of your heart because that's the heart that I need for the world. Give me more of your heart, Lord. Help me to understand your grace. Help me to understand your mercy. Help me to love like you love me. My prayer is that you'll receive that today. 
you say, Mark, I need new faith. I need new faith. Faith to believe. I've kind of maybe given up or I've called it impossible. Mark, you don't know the the battle I'm in with with my, my son or my daughter who's away from God. You don't know how hard it is. And you're right, I don't. But you can trust God with that. You can give your son or daughter or your mom or dad You can give them back to him. You can give your neighbor to him. That Maybe you say, man, it's difficult. You can give that to him. And you can say, Jesus, give me your faith. Faith to believe. Even when there's there's nothing I see in front of my eyes that makes any sense. Faith to believe that you will do it. You will do it. do something new in us so that you can do something new through us. Give us new eyes, I pray. Give us new hearts. Give us new faith. Lord, I pray your blessing on Thrive Church. I thank you for this incredible church. Bless them. Lord, as they they minister in this community, as they're involved in what you're doing all over the world, bless them, I pray. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Thank you for what you're doing here. Oh God, I pray just for a week that is so incredibly missional for each one of us, that we would walk as you walk, Do as you do. Love as you love. Thank you, Lord, for that. Bless you, people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, friends. It's been a joy to be with you today. As I mentioned before, uh, we would love to meet you back by our table back in the back here and just say hi, give you a prayer card, shake your hand, hug a neck. We love you all. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Sheldon Miles here, pastor at Thrive Church, and I want to thank you for watching this video. And if it impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to do three things. First, become a part of the Thrive Church family by subscribing and following us. Make sure to join us on our Facebook page every Sunday. Second thing is share. Share with your friends, coworkers, and the people around you. The final thing, consider partnering with us financially. If this ministry is impacting you, I would ask you to pray about what you can give to help us take this message to the entire 715. And as always, we want you to know that you are welcome, accepted, and loved here at Thrive Church. And remember, you were created to thrive. We'll see you next week.